Hello, and welcome to the Coach's Cup. I am Sonia Green from Sonia Green Coaching. And today I have a special guest coach with me, Kim Guillory. Kim has been coaching for over a decade now, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell, tell us a bit about her. First of all, thanks for getting my last name right. <laughs> you know, you're Southern. My name is Kim Gary. I'm an integrative mind-body coach and business mentor for healing-focused entrepreneurs. I'm based in Louisiana. I have been a coach for over a decade. I have been in business since 1997. I opened my first location. I've been in business my whole entire adult life. I had a job for about six months. Turns out it didn't work out so well. So I stayed <laughs> home with my babies. I have five kiddos and 12 grandbabies. And so my intention is, I kind of hashtag this million dollar Grammy. My intention is to rectify where I screwed my kids up with my grandkids because I can't go back and change them and they won't That's listen to funny. me. But I'm like, yeah. if Jesus can make a difference with 12 disciples, I can make a difference <laughs> with 12 grandbabies. <laughs> That's amazing. My my grandchild, I just have one, but she calls me Grammy as well. So, Oh, nice. We're both Grammy. Well, the million dollar Grammy is all about a mission of changing generational cycles. It is not about the dollar amount, but it's about what is possible and what can we do to show them the potential? Because if we don't show them, we're leaving it up to the world, the government, the bit like we're, and I caught myself doing that. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, we just send them to school and make it someone else's responsibility. And I just send them to work and make it someone whoa I woke up after I was just in survival mode while I was raising kids I mean that was 26 years of just trying to figure it out and I think that's really common right I don't that's that's not a judgment at all because I think Mm. many of us are are at that point and we're like okay I can make a difference now so it was was, you're you're like I was like who put me responsible for this I didn't (laughs) even have parents how did I get here holy smoke, like, wait a minute. You know, we were just like getting by. They were all in sports and my husband was working shift work and I was like running businesses. And it was unbelievable to look back at what we accomplished in 26 years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you probably didn't screw up your kids as much as we we often joke that we do that. Um, I I hope that we didn't really do that. I planted limitations and I take full responsibility. Sure. Sure, yeah. That's it. I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I do. And it's a little far-fetched for them. Like I've healed Mm -hmm. my body with my mind Mm -hmm. and that's not what they saw growing up. I was, I was sick. I was always at the doctors, always having surgery. It's not what I showed them. Mm -hmm. So to have that big switch and turn it around and actually be teaching and training other practitioners on how to do this, it's not in their, it's not in their, their consciousness. It's not in their awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Because when I was figuring it out is when they left the house. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's, um, I'm like, I'm just going to rectify it through your kids. No big deal. You go ahead and make your hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to show them how to survive. I'm going to show yeah. them do, how to do more than survive. And how's that going? Oh my God, it's going so well. I have a, a child. We just sent him like, um, loaded him up in his apartment last weekend at LSU. So the oldest one is in college. I have three in high school. And then we got some little babies, <laughs> like all the way down to a three-year-old this week. So that's no, actually there's a younger one that, sorry, we did have a three-year-old this week. Um, so the part about how is it going with the grandkids as they get older is going well. Mm-hmm. The in-between 
it's taking, they, they haven't had the problems yet. See, my plan right. is I'm not the babysitting Grammy, by the way. So, and I had a hard time with that being in the South because I was mm -hmm. supposed to do all oh, of yeah. that. And I was like, I'm not going back. I have, I've been in this for long enough. And I, it turns out I'm not really great with the little ones. It, it yeah. just, I was never a kid, never got to be a kid. I really can't relate. I don't right. understand it. And so my plan is to wait until they hit that adulthood and then I can help with them with something that their parents can't. Okay. Interesting. That's an interesting way of thinking about it. They do really good with their kids being little and doing all that fun stuff. Like they don't need me for that. That's right? not me either. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. So you talk about mind body integration. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you healed yourself, that you had had numerous surgeries, were sick all the time. Talk to us about the mind-body integration and how that healing worked with you. Okay. So I want to address it in a way that can serve your audience. So the, my childhood growing up, I, I didn't have a family. I didn't have, like there was, there was trauma that was unresolved, but mm -hmm. I, I'm in adulthood. I'm in my twenties. I have all these kids. My husband's got this job. I've got this business, right? It all looks great. Yeah. We figured it out. We won. That's kind of how I was thinking, right? We won, got out of the projects or the trailer park and looks like we're winning. But what I didn't know until years later is how I was compensating or overcompensating with work, like being really good at what I did in order to get validation in order to be worthy, because I didn't have that within me. And so it was overworking, overdoing, overgiving in order to be like, no kidding, people would cancel their gynecologist and dental appointments because they could not get an appointment with me. I was just so booked out. I never not showed up. I did a killer job. And for years, doing that gave me that validation of I am important. Mm -hmm. I'm doing something great. People like me, right? It gave me everything that I didn't have, but I didn't recognize I was doing it. And that's where all of the, the illness and disease was coming from is I was paying no attention whatsoever. And I went to a rheumatologist. I don't even know how many years into the whole medical fiasco that started as soon as I got health insurance. And I started at the doctor's office. They started me on antidepressants. And it was just like 20 something years of this problem after problem, after problem, surgery, after surgery, after surgery. And then I was kind of like catching on to it, feeling a little desperate. So I went to a rheumatologist because I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And this dude says, you do realize that fibromyalgia is a condition of behavior. I almost fell off that table. Like I was just like, what? And then I was like, are you calling me a hypochondriac? Cause that was always the accusation when I was a kid. Right. I was the kid at the doctor, had my appendix out at an early age, always had a stomach ache. Mm -hmm. And it, it just hit me in a way I had enough education and enough history by this point to realize there's something to this. Mm -hmm. I still think that this is the best doctor in the world for doing this. And obviously I was open to hearing it. I, I actually kept appointments with him for years after just to go show him how well I was doing from that one phrase. Well, that's what, when you first said it, I was curious, did he mean that sincerely as a way, Hey, we can, we can find a way to deal with this or was it in a dismissive way? Well, we're coaches, right? Mm -hmm. What is, what is the issue for most people? Behavior. It's habits yeah. and behavior. It's beliefs. Yeah. yeah. So a condition of behavior, I was like, like it took me a moment mm -hmm. and he gave me Pima children's book when things fall apart. Yeah. I'm going to read that and to meditate. 
five, just start with five minutes, two times a day. It was something simple like that. Yeah. So and he, he says, was what happens is, then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'm sorry. The, yeah. yeah. This was, I'm telling you, it was game changer. So he pointed out like a triangle mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, so this is us and we take care of ourselves, and we do this and we do this and we do this. And then we help other people. Like that's how it is. But whenever you come from that background of like not being enough, you completely dismiss yourself. Mm-hmm. Now I'm also in a Christian upbringing. Right. And so it's all about Jesus and serving and I don't matter, kill off the body, kill off mm-hmm. the luxuries. It's all about that, which, you know, that from the whole, mm-hmm. we've done some schooling together where it's like, just ignore the body completely, throw yeah. that in the basement and forget about it. Like it's not important. Right. Well, that just fed right into the same story. Right. And one day I was on, on, I'm going to get back to my story, but I want to share something because I think it's so important before to preface before I say this. Mm-hmm. And it was the joy thing, Jesus, others, and yourself. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that before? I joy have not, when, but that, yeah, I, that certainly works into my you're, you're Southern, well. right? Like yes, exactly. you're in the Bible belt. Yeah. So joy is when you serve Jesus, others, and yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's exactly what I did and what I was doing. Yeah. But I recognized after that, that it actually is not linear, might not come in that order. Because if you never learn how to take care of yourself, I think it's meant for someone who might not care for other people, but coming from this little kid who always wanted to be wanted, who wanted to, my mom left, abandoned me when I was a baby. I've always looked for belonging. I've always looked for acceptance. And so that went right into the opposite where I was dead. And my mm-hmm. service was what was alive. Right. And I did really good. I was really good at business, really good with people, but I didn't realize it was at the detriment and expense of my health, my physical health. Mm-hmm. So, and I said that one day, the, the J-O-Y, like, wait, maybe it's linear. Maybe it's not like, it's great for someone who already knows how to take care of themselves. And then uh-huh. you can put Jesus in others. But what about the person who wasn't raised to even like, I wasn't even like a thing a person. Yeah. I was, it was, there was no acknowledgement of me being anything other than that, that little rug rat kid who I have to carry around while I'm right. So that was, you can you see perception is so important. Mm-hmm. And I got emails and Facebook messages that people were praying for me. And I was in the occultic and that this was so anti-Christ and that I was, I was like, Whoa, what's happening? I'm learning your, how to take care of myself. And I'm with being your coaching or just your, your coaching was, I'm just like working through this myself uh, and having the realization about the joy, uh-huh. putting it together with the doctors come like the, and so the they felt threatened by that, by that whole yeah, and realized, wait a minute. If we would know to take care of ourselves, and we would be a whole individual, then we wouldn't have the needy, creepy, codependent, I got to give you so in order to get, we wouldn't have that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, just kind of sharing it publicly as I'm coming to the awareness. And that shut me down. I mean, I immediately went into guilt. It was like, just assume we go hanging on the cross, all bloodied up because I, I mean, it was like, wait a minute, what's happening here? I started putting together the dots from, from those conversations and realizing that I had checked out of my physical body. I checked out of my, and no one had ever addressed it. They just kept addressing the symptoms. And then I had the realization through coaching. So I've got like lots of certifications (laughs) through all of this process, you can imagine. And I had that another realization of like, imagine a pie and we cut it in four pieces Mm -hmm. And part of the pie is our medical, our physical body. And that goes to the medical community. And then we have the mind and that goes to psychiatry. 
Mm-hmm. And then we have our spirituality, our soul, our spirit, and that goes to religion or the gurus and the gods. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in that equation had I ever heard about an emotional body. Yeah. Had these emotions or this unresolved trauma been addressed, I was healthy. Mm-hmm. I was eating healthy. I was doing, I was how there was, it, it just was blowing my mind. I couldn't understand it. Cause I'm, I'm like working with thousands of people. I know what unhealthy looks like. Yeah. And I am not unhealthy and I'm active. I own the gym. I work out at the gym every morning, but I couldn't get beyond that. And that one piece being missing mm-hmm. kind of set me on this mission of teaching about this. So what I do is train coaches, health and wellness practitioners. I've got physical therapists, chiropractors, uh, massage therapists, pharmacists, who didn't know it either. And they have been treating people with that missing again. And it kind of their clients going on the same path as me. And so when I figured it out and then lived it for a while and realized it wasn't there, I created a program for it. So I started doing integrative mind body coaching where I help healing focus. That's the thing that sets it apart. This is not just a mindset coach. This is a coach that's actually running into unresolved trauma and doesn't know where to go next. Because mm-hmm. they're doing the mindset piece, but the client's not making the change. Matter of fact, they're kind of challenging the coach because they're like, I'm telling them they just won't do it. They don't want. No, 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 no. This is subconscious. Yeah. This is I beyond the mind. Down there in that. That's right. And so when I realized how many people were out there beating people up with mindset coaching, mm-hmm. not being able to see, not being able to understand, I was like, I want to help the coaching industry. I want to help more productive coaches. You know, like really. If they, if we understood neurology, which I had to go through this experience in order to understand it, neurology, meaning the way that we think, Mm -hmm. the way that we feel, Mm -hmm. the way that we behave, the way that we act, and then also the subtle body, the energetic body. And in understanding through my yoga teacher training, a samskara is a scar on the energetic body. So like in the cellular system. So a traumatic event that happens at a young age that we don't even remember that etches a memory inside of the body. The body keeps a score, feelings buried alive, don't ever die, like those sorts of things. And what I didn't realize then that I do now is the life circumstances in general create this, they become a catalyst for these things to come up. Mm -hmm. And the mind sees the person or the event as the problem. It doesn't see that it's trigger. And we weren't, we weren't taught that there was a difference. We weren't, we, we, you know what I'm saying? Like about the puzzle pieces. So all of that starting coming together and making sense. And I was teaching it to lay people in through private coaching, Mm -hmm. every single person that I coach for three months or more said, I need to, I need to understand, I need to do this. I need to help people. I have so many family members. I have so many, like, because it breaks generational cycles. When you can stop it, this is not about our genes. Yeah. This is about our habits and behavior. This Mm -hmm. is about our environment. This is about our religious beliefs. This is about the environmental patterns, conditions, behavior that have been passed down. And I had a moment where I was at church. It was an Easter vigil. It was like one of these midnight things. And I'm like way in by this time. And I see people limping certain parts of the body. I started understanding the metaphysics. I knew their story at home. I saw it show up and I was like, God, don't give me this. I don't want this. I don't want to understand this more like that medical into it, like really understanding psychosomatics and how it appears in the body. And 
I, I, I wanted to like, just turn away from it because it has been so painful to understand this and be rejected over and over and over and over. I'm in central Louisiana. I'm the ankle of the boot. Mm -hmm. And I have been to into essential oils for when I first started my business in 1997 is when I got the massage table and started body treatments and really understanding how to use natural medicine. I became an integrative life coach. I'm an integrative coach through IAN. I really was like connecting all of these pieces that made me somewhat dangerous, right? I'm the person who like believes in yeah. yoga and meditation and, and it, it's a threat to the status quo because it's so hard. It was the yeah. rejection is so hard yeah. when, when I went to put this online and I paid the first Facebook ads guy, I ended up with a bout of sciatica. My, my, I mean, like my body started fighting because I was so internally afraid mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I've just seen so much of it over and over. I'm such a believer. I can't go back. And when you see the way, so the body, like the physical body, the meat suit is the subconscious mind. It, it mm -hmm. It's like, it appears the life that we live, the results that we have, whether it's in our body, our bank account, our bedroom, those circumstances come from these deeply rooted beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that can be shifted in a moment. We don't have to go into past life regression. You don't got to go. Like, the healing industry has got a, an issue. There's an addiction to healing. Mm -hmm. but you've got to go do all this stuff. And then the brain gets addicted to that because it feels so good. You're completely liberated from that. And the body's like, oh, I want more of that. And then the mind keeps creating problems so you can keep fixing it. Yeah. And that's a problem. It's kind of like the whole thing about our thoughts being a problem. Listen, I have an issue with that. My thoughts... Mm -hmm. Or sentences that pop out of my brain. How can they be the problem when they're not in my control? How can they be in the problem when they're not in my control? They're actually a release. Like a thought is just a release. An emotion, a feeling, a sensation, the same. But we're like, we go and diagnose these thoughts. We go and diagnose our past. We go and diagnose, diagnose generations before us. Mm -hmm. That only keeps us stuck in the patterns. So how does this release take place? through the awareness, of course. Mm -hmm. So I have a five-step process that is so simple. And that's what I'm plugging coaches and practitioners into. I was like, mm -hmm. so you, you can have the understanding, you can have the awareness, but do you have a process to help someone else get it? Right. That's what I created. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like where we went to school, there's the model. Yeah. This is the manual. So okay. you got the model, the model, model is a tool of awareness. Mm -hmm. The manual is what to do about it. Okay. Like, okay, that now you have the awareness. Step. Now what? So it is about getting present so that you are aware of what's happening and you understand the components, the components of the mind body, the components of neurology, mm -hmm. the components of the energetic body, mm -hmm. of the physical body, of the emotional body. Like you see, I'm saying there's so many, yeah. the spiritual body. And so whenever you, you have that awareness and you can see all the pieces then there's the process. Like you got to get present. You got to remember that. And mm -hmm. then you have to unpack the unconscious. You have to understand it so you can unlearn it. Yeah. Then or you navigate the habit and behavior. That's, those are the two steps that are missing. We go right to creating the new. Right. And can I say, it doesn't, it doesn't work again and again, because we're not taking care of that. And yeah, absolutely. Tell your story. So I'll, I'll share this story because it's what <laughs> brought it all together for me. I'm a Louise Hay fan. Louise Hay was my mentor for 20 something years. And I was riding my bike 
I was listening to a 2014 Hay House event and change your thoughts, right? Just change your thoughts. Look in the mirror, write it on lipstick. And I was like, boom, I stopped. I put my hands on my bike. I'm talking up to the, to Louise, wherever she's at. Right. And I'm like, no, Louise, it, do, it doesn't work until you dismantle. You yeah. can't because it's just, it's like poop, putting poop on a, on a, or a flower on top of a poop pot. Like you, it doesn't go away, yeah. just covers it up. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to teach it because I was so miserable by this point. I was, I was like, my book is how I figured out how to want to live. I did not want to live. I, I mean, I was seriously struggling and, and I was like reading and listening and following and doing all these things, but the recipe wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going to figure this out and I go along on my bike <laughs> And in that same, whatever it was, conference, I hear there's three, like they, they're segmenting three things. And it's people, 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 people will die by just sheer rebellion and ignorance and not like they, they'll just die from not taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. One third of the people will die by suicide and one third of the people will lead the new way. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of powerful, right? What? Like one third just going to like go crazy. One third's gonna check out. I think it's um Yogi Bandra, Bandra. I hope I'm saying it right. The Kundalini guy. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't even find the crazy thing anymore because I've tried to go back to it so many times, but I remember where I was at when I heard it. And the third part is others will lead the way into the new way. And I was like, God, that's bold. Well, just to preface it or to to bring it back home, where I live in this parish, I'm on, I was on the board for health, the health coalition. 28% of our people died by suicide. That's a third of the people. I was like, wait a minute. This is really starting to make sense. Now I used to be on a mission to try to prevent suicide because I was like, oh God, I got 20 something people in my family. What's the chances if it's right? Mm -hmm. And I'm a suicide survivor. Mm -hmm. So suicide attempt survivor. And so for me, it's always kind of been in the back of my mind and been a fear. Like when things get too hard, people will do, you know? So it's like, I wanted to go out and make it stop. And then I realized that's not the answer at all. They just don't have the tools. If I had had the tools, it wouldn't have even been a consideration. Right. The only reason people are depressed is because they don't think they can have what they want and need. Think about it. Yeah. Now so I, they don't have the tools. They don't have access. They don't have understanding. I have so many competing questions going through my mind. I know. Mind I know. Right I was like, let me, I was can like, you I see them? <laughs> I'm not going to get into everything. Yeah. Here we go. So I mean, I would love to hear your questions to come back with it because this is where it gets really um, where that big shift changed in me that I can't go back. I was doing a client's nails on the other side of this wall. My such a dear friend for eight years, I she exercised with me every day. I did her nails every week. I, I mean, we were just like, and she said, I was diagnosed with fourth stage liver cancer. And this was after I saw the doctor. This was after I'm starting to get this awareness. And I heard my own like voice, thoughts, those things that I heard. Why does she get to go and I have to stay? It blew me away. I was like, I'm depressed. Like it, it was like a moment in time that it, it changed everything. When I realized I was still surviving. And what brought it home for me is 
I went the other day and looked, she did pass away. And I went look at the date that she passed away because this was all in that same time. It's been a long time since this happened. And I, I remembered in that moment and I heard, shit, I've been depressed since I woke up. I had a suicide attempt as a teen. And I was just going to heaven. I mean, seriously, when I, when people talk about what they think is happening on the other side, they, they really don't know. Mm -hmm. I, it was so pure. It was so not like the way that I thought I was going out. And then I woke up and I like pretended like it never happened and went on. I had so much shame. I had so much anger. Like I can't get a mama. I can't have a family. I can't, we don't have clothes. We don't have money. We don't have food. I went to school for food and friends. Like, I mean, it was, I had a hard childhood and I can't get out. Like, cause my, my plea is to God. I'm like reading the Bible and figuring this stuff out. I'm just a kid that was always drawn to spirituality and I can't get there either. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine in the mind of a high school, you know, like I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And a few years ago, um, one of the girls who worked with me, she was like college age, her stepdaughter at the same age did the same thing and she passed. And that's when I had the full recollection of it happening and what I was thinking. And it just so happened, dear, dear people in my life when it happened. And it, it just, like, I, I no longer denied it. You know, it was like, it became part of who I am that made the change. But what I recognized in the moment when was, why does she get to go and I have to stay? That those 20 years, I was dangerous and reckless and like, because I didn't value life. I didn't value my and I didn't want to be here. I mean, I have this fought tooth and nail for this to be not be in this material world, much more spiritually driven. And that, that was the moment that I put my hands on the desk. I know I should be paying attention to her. I love her still do, but I put my hands on the desk. We are selfish. And I look up this way and I said, well, great, but I'm not doing anything else that's not fun. I'll stay. I'll do what I got to do, but I'm not doing anything else that's not fun. I'm over this. And it was it, everything. Everything fell apart. Everything. Like, I, I don't want to like call out my family on this one, but like big things happened with my kids, with my family, with my, my husband. I mean, it was like four years of cracking and losing. Just, it was hard. And it, it evolved, it all evolved and changed. But I'm just saying that because when we make that decision that I'm no longer going to hold on to this 50 pounds or this hundred pounds, I'm no longer going to live in scarcity. I'm no longer going to hide under a rock. I'm no longer going to like want something, but not go for it. I'm no, when we make that claim, mm -hmm. you have to allow the part of you that was the other to die. And that's difficult. Otherwise, that it is. Otherwise you don't, you don't change. You got to get rid of the habits, the patterns, the behaviors, yeah. the beliefs that you have to lose the identity of who you are. I think of St. Paul when the scales were removed from his, eyes, just a totally different person. And in that same story was being in jail and still being, being like, you can love and you can be no matter what your circumstances. That's where my trainings came from at such mm -hmm. a young age of understanding that in a profound way that kept me in the game when I really wanted to check out. I mean, it's so many stories that lead to that. And I want to speak to it because we're talking about like no BS. We're talking about weight loss. We're talking about coaching. Mm -hmm. And I know where that extra weight comes from because I carry it myself. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I know where the physical symptoms come from. I know where the the disease and the illness comes from. And it's not coming from genetics. It's coming from the habits and behaviors. Listen to Bruce Lipton's work. If you guys, if you have not heard before, but the biology of belief, he proved this in a lab in with Petri dishes that it's actually our environment. It's not coincidence that your aunt and your grandmother and your other grandma, whatever had breast cancer. It's because they live by the same belief system. It's not yeah. because our cells can be, that our body can be changed. So to bring this, <laughs> bring it back. To, yeah. Well, to bring <laughs> it sorry. down for, for our listeners and, and uh, we've been going for a bit here. So I want to start winding down. Yeah. Tell me, you are listening to this podcast. You recognize yourself maybe in the, in the story that, that you're telling us. What next? How mm. do you, because, you know, we are raised in a society and a culture that likes to put things in boxes. We like to have labels that's neat, that's tidy, but it doesn't help us on our healing journeys very much. Mm-hmm. to just think that all of these things are separate. So what if if I am that person and I'm hearing your story and I'm connecting with it, what steps do I take? It's a great question. It's it's first the awareness and the decision. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm telling you. When I made that decision in that moment, I had no idea what was coming next. I had yeah. no idea. I'd be where I'm at today or, or experience what I've experienced after that. So it's a moment of awareness of, wow, that makes sense. Oh, I remember I never really wanted to tell anyone that I want to check out. Cause if I got to walk around with these extra 80 pounds and be ashamed of myself and hide and not, not feel, I, I don't want to be here either. Like there is someone, I yeah. guarantee you, there's someone who's, who's Absolutely. never said this to anyone. And it's first that moment of, oh, I can separate myself from the habits, patterns, and behavior. That's the first step. Mm-hmm. I was able to separate myself from that child that did that. Like I was able, whereas all those years I had carried that shame. I was, mm-hmm. I like, I was that, right? Yeah. Instead of realizing I did that. Yes. So if, if that's the first thing is, first of all, if they're listening to this, they're already on the journey. They might be talking about cauliflower, but it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Because what is on your plate is a direct reflection of how you do everything else. Mm-hmm. And so if it's overeating because of scarcity, if it's overeating, not be, not to waste, if it's eating too fast because your body's not worthy of slowing down because you're not worthy of slowing, I guarantee you. So just me saying that has just brought this awareness to someone that when they serve their food, they will look at it differently. The way that they eat their food, they will look at it differently. Mm-hmm. The way that they consume is the way that they are living. Mm-hmm. And so it's that first awareness of look in the mirror and recognize the visual subconscious. Mm-hmm. Cause we think we can hide it with clothes or not being in pictures or whatever, but it, the moment you make this decision to do the work, you will see the, you'll see truth yeah. because there's a mental block that actually prevents you from seeing it. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? I think of the mind as a projector. So when you were in fifth grade, they put a paper and it showed itself on the chalkboard, right? Mm-hmm. So the mind is always looking for the evidence to show you back. It's a loop. Right. Yes. And it's playing a game with the brain, the mechanism, the safety mechanism. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first, this is not who I am. This is the habit pattern behavior and actions I have taken that led to my physical appearance. Mm-hmm. 
then starting to unpack so that you can unlearn. Because once you recognize its habits, patterns, behaviors, you can unlearn. The unlearning, the unpacking, the un or dismantling, I'll say, like I said to Louise Hay, like, uh-uh, you got to deroot this. <laughs> you got to pull it out. You got to, yeah. but how can you, if you don't know it's there, right? That's right. why the subconscious work is so important. I coach the unconscious and subconscious. That's what I teach my coaches is how mm-hmm. to get dial in. The next step is when you're unlearning, unpacking, beginning to question. It's just great questions. Mm-hmm. Then you navigate the habit and behavior. So it would look like this. It's 830. Oreos are calling your name. You know exactly where they are. And this is the cool part of our awareness and weight loss. You see yourself doing it and you choose not to stop it, but you don't know how. Got it? So you get it from the chair, you're getting into the kitchen now and you're telling yourself you shouldn't do it. So you have awareness. That's another place people get stuck. Mm-hmm. They keep working on awareness, I keep working on it, but it's actually, it's not how it works. I get to the counter. I pull the Oreos down and I'm still saying I shouldn't. I'm only going to have two, right? Are you following me? You're tracking. Yeah. yeah. And then I open it and I know I'm not going to eat a whole sleeve. I know I'm, di- but gosh, darn it. There's only four left in that one sleeve, right? We know it. We see it. You're smiling. You sounds like you've been there, right? Absolutely. So we think we're doing the work. Mm-hmm. And this is where Corinne is so good at it. No, it's like you still put your hand on the Oreo and the Oreo in your mouth. Mm-hmm. So the mindset and the awareness and the model and stuff does not work for the how, what to do about it. It mm-hmm. just works for you to see it. So now we got a bun- bunch of conscious people still doing the habit and behavior and just seeing it and beating themselves up about it. Yeah. So in that moment, I want to give them a takeaway. When you pull back the sleeve, stop, just stop and adore the Oreos and the craving and the desire. What do I really want here? Am I hungry? That's unlearning. That's unpacking, mm-hmm. right? That's the unconscious. What? Because you got it from the chair unconsciously. You brush yeah. your teeth unconsciously. You drove your car unconsciously, right? Mm-hmm. So that part we could, okay, I see where that's happening. But I call this SOS, stop, open, stay. Stop. Hands off of the Oreos. And open to explore with curiosity, not with beating yourself up, not with like, this is pure, clean compassion. I wonder what I really want. Cause you know, I'm only going to eat two. I'm never going to do it again. That it turns into, let me just finish it. So I don't have to deal with it tomorrow. Yeah. I know the story. I've done it too many times. Yeah. So that open to curiosity, what do I really want? And you start like unpacking that stuff. Stay through the sensations that are coming up because there's the little kid who didn't get snacks. There's the little kid who didn't, all that stuff comes up. I remember that my friend who would have Doritos and Coke every day after school, I was so jealous. We didn't have food in my house. I was so jealous. And so there is a lot of little kid in this, you know, like that's still there. Mm -hmm. So the stop open stay is the, what do I do now? Yeah. So you become, you become present and aware. You unpack it so that you can begin to unlearn it. And then you navigate the habit and behavior. And that navigating might look like closing, putting them up, throwing it in the trash, sticking it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Tony Robbins would call this changing the state of being. Do mm-hmm. something different. It might be grabbing two and having them. 
because you want them, because you've investigated. So stop, open, stay. You feel that rush of sensation. You feel that scarcity. You feel for, I usually this process takes 90 seconds, the whole mm-hmm. entire process. Yeah. In that moment, you're making a conscious decision instead of an unconscious decision. Mm-hmm. So that would be, what do I do next? Of course, if you need help and working with the, the, I mean, that's why I ended up going through the trainings that I did. My brain is a beast, man. It goes into protection. It goes into survival. It go. It just, it's a habit. It's what I did most of my life. So of yeah. course it's going to do what it's been taught. I taught it that way, but I can also teach it another way. So that's, it is recognizing that this is not me. This is a habit and behavior that created this aspect of me. Yeah. As a means of surviving. And you did a great job of it then. Yeah, we our, our brain still thinks it's in survival. Like yeah. I remember this with the money thing, like, yeah. you know, and, and then eventually it's like, oh, so I wanted to make sure I had 5,000, then 50,000, then 100,000, then I needed to like, and it just never, it, it's it's just an aspect. Yeah. And so it, it's like 5 million, it's still the same. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, now it's interesting, but you don't think that whenever you're in, because you're in victim mode. And I don't look down at being a victim, by the way. Victim is the first state of awareness mm-hmm. to recognize that you're a victim of the circumstance, that you're a victim of life, that you're a victim of your past is the first state of awareness. Yeah. So okay. I don't look at it in a, in a negative. I, I pivot everything. I switch it all back. How is this working for me? What do I really want? Hey, hon, what do you really want? And it could be, I'm lonely. I'm sad. I just, because I had it all day, you know? Yeah. What is it? But it's that SOS I use in everything. It's the actual first three steps of my process. I just put it in a simple way and you got to go through it because then in that moment, so get the Oreos open to curiosity, pivot, close it or sit down and eat it, whatever you decide, but you, you Mm -hmm. stopped something different. You did something different in that moment. Mm -hmm. Then create with curiosity after you've done the three steps now envision yourself 30 pounds lighter. Now envision what it's going to feel like when your, your pants are not cutting into your gut or your bra's not chopping up your back or like, what's it going to feel like when your shirt's not pulling? Like it's that you're imagining that time when you were, and if you've never been, you imagine what you think it will feel like. And if you skip this part, guys, that is the flaw of attraction. I'm just going to tell you, I have a whole product on it called the flaw of attraction. It's like, if you miss this part Mm-hmm. You will continue to repeat the habit and behaviors. And I'm going to tell you why yeah. you would miss this part. You want it? Yeah. Because we don't know how to feel because we've yeah. checked out of our Absolutely. body, period. You know that this is the work mm-hmm. you do. And so if it stops right there and you can't imagine and you can't play and you can't explore that's where you get coaching. You call Sonia up and it's like, I can't feel, I can't imagine. I can't even, I, I've never even seen it before. Yeah. So how would I know? Because the way that the mind works is it can only project back what it has seen, experienced, heard, known. It has to come. Notice I go to the left. It has to come from the past. So the mind gathers the evidence of what was or what has been or what is. That's it. It can't go to what could be. It's impossible. So that that moment of creating with curiosity might be where you need to get the help to learn how to feel so that you can take yourself there because the stop open stay that stay is you are feeling for 30 seconds. So that's why you do it at that point. 
So you, you, you feel it, you change the habit and behavior, and then you remind yourself how good it feels or how good you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. And then it's the how to action steps. Yeah. Choose, choose to be 30 pounds lighter, choose to not to be the woman who doesn't eat the Oreos, choose to be the person who puts herself online, whether she feels fantastic or not choose to go and have that hard conversation with a loved one, choose, you have to first choose, commit. This is the part, this is where all of that came from with um, that, that moment in time. Mm-hmm. Committing to yourself looks like I am worth it. I am the person who I do this for me. And if you're like I was so codependent, so needing, having the unworthiness and that needing the validation, if that is you commit to who you love, commit to who you're going to be, commit to the lives that are going to change because you broke the pattern. So you use it. Remember I said, I use everything. Mm -hmm. So I use that codependent part of myself to plant my seeds of my future. I will do it so that I can be a role model. I will do it so that I can be an example. I'll do it so my grandkids don't have to do this, right? I would. So right there is that commit to yourself, to your future and to others. Mm-hmm. Cultivate is the third step. Cultivate as if it already were. So you're standing there. You're the woman who doesn't eat the Oreos. You put the package up, you put it in the cabinet and you move on. Go and journal, go and dance, go and do something else, right? You cultivate as if it already were. You're already 30 pounds lighter. You're already in a size, whatever your size you want to be. And you ask yourself, if I were that person, would I do this? So everything, every action you're taking, does it take me closer or further to from what I want? Period. It's a moment of awareness and you get to make the decision is very empowering. Then cut away the limiting beliefs, the people in your life that don't support you. The, and I don't mean cut and throw them in a ditch and take them off of the whatever. <laughs> I'm talking cut away is energetic. Yeah. Cutting away. I'm no longer her. I, I no longer do. I know you cut away. Yeah. And then here's the hard part. If As if those weren't hard yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. Continue every day, every moment, every hour. Continue. They, y'all, they, there is no, this is the, the how. The work. This is the how. Yeah. This is like 30 years of not wanting to like I when I sat down to write my book, I was invited to um to be on this platform and we went film a documentary in Switzerland. So it was like this big project. They're like, you have to write a book and you have to become a best-selling author, you know, at least on Amazon. Like that's criteria. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna write about. I'm not writing about my family and my stories and and that's what came up. It's like they said, What have you figured out? What have you done? I said, I figured out how to want to live. And they're like, damn. So that's where this process came from. And that's the name of the book, The Punchline Approach, how to ch- how to gain power and control of your life using these five simple steps. The day I started writing the book, I was doing an LCS, uh, Self-Coach Scholars, 30 Day Get It Done at uh-huh. that time. This was years ago. And in 30 days, I wrote the book. So I chose it as my project. Wow. <laughs> I sit down with my computer and I start typing the acronym and I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I just like started the first or second letter. I put my phone up, my my computer up and I grab my cell phone because that's what we do when we don't know what to do. You grab the Oreos or a cell phone. Yeah. I pull up my cell phone and where do I go? One guess, to Facebook. <laughs> it's the best, the best buffer. Yeah. I go to Facebook. I'm not kidding, guys. This is like legit. And it says, R.I.P. Louise Hay. So I knew exactly where I was going. Wow. 
in that in that moment in time. I was in so much like I guess you could say just the direct, just, I just knew where I was going. That's why it was so easy to get it out. I said, mm-hmm. what did I do first? Yeah. Then what did I do? And what did I do once I did that? Just like you asked me, what do we do next? Mm-hmm. And then, and that's where that came from. And I've done it thousands of times, hundreds of thousands of times. I've been in business for 20 something years. I have served thousands of people. I saw this happen in and out, in and out, in and out, over and over. So if you are present and you unpack the unconscious and you navigate, and then you create what it is that you really want through curiosity and you feel it in your body. Mm -hmm. And then you take the how to steps, you choose, you commit, you cultivate, you cut away and you continue. The results will be living your life's legacy. You, your legacy. What do you leave here? As an integrated being, mental, emotional, physical, occupational, intellectual, really all of that integrated, all the systems integrated in your natural essence, natural essence of who you truly are as a soul being here on this planet in ease, flow, and personal freedom. That's in a nutshell, the entire process. So, and your book is for everyone. Yes. It's not for coaches. Okay. It's actually, so a publisher picked it up and we were supposed to be rewriting it um, last year. And I I just, there's so much I want to add to it, but I truly prefer doing it in this way. So I might just update it as a uh, audible where I can fill in the blanks. So tell us, tell us again, the title and where people can get it if they want to. The title is the punchline approach. It's gain power and control of your life. It's on Amazon. Super simple. All right. And um, I think even on the YouTube channel, I have a six week book study on it. I mean, my, you can find me pretty much anywhere and that follows because it's, it's like the concepts of Mm -hmm. everything that we function on. I've trained lots of coaches and practitioners how to use this. We help our clients heal their body with their mind and heal their relationships and heal their, their scarcity stories, their money stories through these simple five steps. Well, Kim, thank you so much for being with us today. You've given me a lot to think about. Like I have so, like I said, I have so many questions and things that I want to look at a little deeper later on. But uh, if they want to find your other resources, you said you have a YouTube channel. What is that? Yeah, that's just my name, Kim Guillory. Okay. Um, I have a podcast that's called more than mindset because I mm-hmm. truly do believe change requires more than mindset. You got to get into energetics of the body. Uh, matter of fact, we act, we access change through the body, through the physical mm-hmm. conditions. I have a free Facebook group called more than mindset that matches the podcast. I do lives in there every week. My coaches are in there supporting. Uh, I have a couple of programs, but that can be on my website, kimgillery.com. Okay. And that's G U I L L O R Y. Yes. Thank you for getting that. All right. <laughs> right. Well, thank you again. Like I said, thank you for, for sharing this. I, I just love this topic. I, I think the whole concept of mind body integration is so interesting. We'll be back next week with another guest and I will see you all then.